Good morning. If we can, let's open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, my name is Kenson Lamb, and I serve as the pastor of our Bridgeport location. Uh, today we wrap up our message series on kingship. Now, for the last few weeks, we've had a chance to journey through the culmination of Christ's earthly ministry. That on Palm Sunday, we see, an, see him as an unexpected king who brings peace, not so much politically, but spiritually. On Good Friday, we see him die as our crucified king for our sins. On Easter last week, we celebrated a risen king who conquers the grave. And for our final message this morning, we will see an exalted king who ascends to his throne in heaven. In all these messages, we want to show you, especially during this time of the COVID-19 crisis, that Jesus has and will always be king. His mission is unhindered. His plans are never postponed. Not even sin, Satan, and death could stop him. Instead, they served his redemptive purposes. Jesus is king. Amen to that. So with that, let's go ahead and read our verses. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he, Jesus, was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When COVID-19 first became a growing crisis, worry and anxiety gripped everyone's heart. And especially when we saw countries like China and Italy on shutdown, it became very clear that the U.S. was going to be next. So people started getting to doomsday preparations. People started hoarding hand sanitizers and toilet papers that we're reading in the news now. People are stealing N95 respiratory masks. People are demanding doctors to prescribe the medications that are unproven to treat COVID-19 and creating a shortage for those who do need it. And on and on you can go with this. And I share this with you because when fear overwhelms us, it can make us very selfish. We're not mindful of others. We're only mindful of ourselves. When COVID-19 ends, and it will come to an end, Every Christ follower must ask themselves, during this time, was I selfless or was I selfish? Did I steward this opportunity for the gospel? 
And if you think that just because that this is a pandemic and we don't need to make this a priority to be missional, to be sharing our faith, consider this. If the mission of God was postponed every time that life got too hard or complicated or risky, the gospel would never, ever go forth. Jesus would never, ever come down. Just because church services are postponed, it does not mean our mission has been postponed. You know, we're in that book of Acts today, which records the first 30 years of the life of the church, and in it we see a spirit-led movement of God to transform the world. We see the gospel being proclaimed, churches being planted. We see gospel-centered communities sharing everything they have to one, with one another. And this didn't happen in times of abundance and peace for Christianity, but it happened during times of incredible resistance, chaos, and uncertainty. Disciples were being arrested, persecuted, tortured, and executed. And yet, with all this hardship, the church flourished. Why? It's because the church knew that Jesus was their exalted king. They saw him ascend to heaven. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. Verse 9. As the disciples were looking on, he, Jesus, was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Another way to say he was lifted up was that Jesus ascended. Now this word ascended has a double meaning. First, it can simply mean to go up. For example, he ascended the stairs, the ladder, the mountain. It just goes up. You're just going up. But there's also another way the word ascended is used, and it's symbolic. It's like a prince or princess ascending to the throne. Now, do they literally go up a set of stairs and sit on a chair that is higher than everyone else? Yes. But the chair and stairs also mean something else. It means someone is taking their place on the throne. Someone is taking a place of power, responsibility, and authority. This is why Jesus doesn't just vanish into heaven, but he does this with such production and drama, a stirring speech and blessing. He wanted people to see it because Jesus wasn't going up as a good man or a teacher or a prophet. He was going up as the exalted king. When Jesus ascends, he is showing physically what is happening spiritually and cosmically over all creation. Jesus is ruling with kingly authority and power. You know, look at the interesting exchange between Jesus and his disciples. In verse 6, it says, So when the disciples had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Notice in verse 6, the scope of their understanding of Christ's kingship. Jesus, when will you restore the Jewish kingdom, the political kingdom? And look at how Jesus answers in verse 8. But you will receive power, and the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The disciples saw Jesus as king, but the problem is that they only saw his kingdom going as far as the borders of Israel. When Jesus gives verse 8, he is making clear that when I ascend, I will not just be king of the Jews, I will be king of people everywhere. But here's the thing. Jesus has always been king because he's always been God. It's not as though he was never in charge but what the ascension proves once and for all is that Jesus is the fulfillment of a truer and better king. 
the ascension says that every other human being in Israel's history walked into a city, Jesus walked into heaven. Human kings only ruled over a nation, Jesus rules over the world. Human kings sat on a throne on earth, Jesus sits on a throne in heaven. Israel's greatest king, David, defeated the giant Goliath, but our king, King Jesus, defeated the giants of sin and death. The ascension is God's fulfillment of a better and perfect king. And this is why Jesus commands us in verses 1 and 8 to be his witness from Jerusalem all the way to the ends of the world because if, because if all of creation is his kingdom, the world must know its king. The king that sacrificed for them, the king that bled for them, the king who died and cried for them, the king who was victorious for them. Jesus is our exalted king, the king of creation, the king of the universe, the king of every sickness and disease. As far as COVID-19 has reached across the world, his kingship goes even further. This commission from King Jesus is not changed for Christ followers. It has not changed from the disciples to us. It has not changed during the time of COVID-19. He still calls you to be his witnesses. Look again at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And what I'm going to show on the screen here is the verse Acts 1, 8 here. But every time we see the pronoun you, it's going to be replaced with your name. I want you to say your name. But Kenson, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Kenson, you will be my witness. Rafe, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness. Susan, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witness. Sarah, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness. This mission and this promise is for all of us. Now, I know that we hear this, and it can feel overwhelming. It did for the disciples. When the ascension initially happens, they're scared and overwhelmed because they feel like Jesus has just left them high and dry. That in verses 2 and 8, Jesus has spent the last 40 days convincing his disciples that he is real, teaching them, eating with them, commanding them to go and make disciples. And the disciples are so pumped about this. Why not? Because the resurrected Jesus is right there in front of them to lead the way. This is going to be incredible. There is no stopping Jesus. But 40 days later, Jesus leaves them. Can you just imagine how overwhelmed they felt? How alone? How anxious? That they've just been given this impossible responsibility of the Great Commission to make disciples of the entire world. And the whole world is a really big place. And Jesus says that where I want you to start is in Jerusalem. That I want this gospel movement to happen in the very place that they killed me. If you think COVID-19 overwhel is overwhelming, my goodness, this mission would feel impossible. Verse 9, and when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And as they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, these are angels, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Now, this seems like a really silly question from the angels. Well, of course I'm looking because Jesus just got beamed up into heaven. You know, who wouldn't be staring? But there's more going on here. 
to angel was speaking to their doubts and fears in their hearts. It doesn't say here the disciples were praising and celebrating as Jesus was going up. They were just standing there. When the angels asked this question, it's their way of saying to the disciples, you can move on. You can move on. But it was hard for the disciples to do that because it felt like Jesus left them to fend for themselves. In the same way, fear keeps us motionless. It keeps us from being on mission. That as we face COVID-19, so many of our thoughts are so consumed with self-preservation. It's so focused on what I am losing, on what I am grieving. And especially this past week, as a parent, I just heard that the schools will not reopen. The mountain of challenges for me and my family, and for many of the families who are watching right now, it has doubled. For the teachers, it has doubled. That has just made things so much more complicated. And it's in times like this, I don't want to hear sermons challenging me to be a witness during this time. I don't want sermons challenging me to share my faith. I want sermons to comfort me, to minister to me. Now, don't get me wrong. This is so important. And for the last many weeks, we have spent time as a church from our messages to give you hope and wisdom for all of us, for myself, during this time. But if we think that this crisis of COVID-19 is just a time for Christ followers to play it safe, to just buckle down, weather the storm, and survive, I believe that this would be a huge miss. That we might be potentially missing one of the greatest evangelistic moments ever in the history of the church. Yes, your situation is hard and challenging, but so, so is everyone else's situation, literally across the world. What better time than now than to live out our faith? But let me ask you, is fear making you motionless? Is it keeping you from being bold and courageous during this time? So let's ask this. Where then can we find the power and encouragement to be his witnesses? It's knowing that our exalted Jesus is still at work. I'll look at verse 1 here. In the first book, which is a reference to the Gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Notice here, Luke doesn't say that in the first book, Jesus finished all that he was doing and teaching. He says here that the Gospel of Luke was just the beginning of what Jesus was doing. It was just volume one. Acts is volume two. And what you need to see in the book of Acts is that Jesus is still at work. He is not finished. He is just getting started. It's not as though in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus worked, and now in the book of Acts, it's the church's responsibility to move the gospel mission move, movement forward. No, the commission of Acts 1-8 is not an invitation for the church to do work for Jesus. It's an invitation to join in the work that Jesus is already doing. Did you know that God is at work right now during COVID-19? Here, especially in the South Loop and Bridgeport locations, that we're hearing stories of transformed lives, multiple people coming to faith for the first time, people taking radical steps of generosity, people taking steps of courage to serve others as essential workers or volunteering themselves in essential spaces. 
the church isn't responsible for any of this fruit. I'm not responsible for this. Pastor Rafe is not responsible for this. This is all a work of Jesus Christ. Notice what Jesus says in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Jesus sends the Spirit into our hearts to empower us to be his witnesses. Now first, what makes a good witness in a courtroom? It's to testify about what they have seen and heard and to verify that it's true. As Christ followers, we are to testify about Christ and that through our lives and words, we can give credibility to his life and teachings. You know, so often we forget this aspect of the Spirit's work, that we love when the Spirit is our comforter, when, it's our, when he's our counselor, especially during the time of COVID-19, and we conveniently forget that this same Spirit is seeking to send us to share him with others. That Jesus has not just given you the Holy Spirit just to serve you during this time of hardship and discouragement, but the Spirit has also been given to you to help meet the hardships and discouragements of other people by pointing them to Jesus Christ. Jesus says that the Spirit comes to you in power. Now, let me say, you don't need the Spirit to come in power if you're just going to go ahead and act like everyone else. If you're going to hoard and be selfish, you know, if you're going to continue to play it safe, you don't need supernatural power for that. You don't need the Holy Spirit if you want to stay quiet. You don't need the Holy Spirit's power if you want to do that. But if you want to be radical, sacrificial, if you want to make yourself uncomfortable, if you want to talk about Jesus to others, that is when you will feel the Spirit's power in your life. That's when you become a witness that the world will notice. You know, when you have a chance to look at Scripture, what you will notice is that anytime anyone is filled with the Holy Spirit, they be begin to proclaim the Word of God to others. Luke chapter 1, verse 15. John the Baptist, being filled with the Spirit, proclaims the coming of the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 41. Elizabeth, being filled with the Spirit, proclaimed blessing over Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 67, Zechariah being filled with the Spirit prophesied about the coming glory of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the Holy Spirit fills the apostles at Pentecost and they begin to declare God's praises in multiple languages. Acts 4, 8, Peter is filled with the Spirit and preaches to the rulers that Jesus is the only hope of salvation. Acts 4.31, the disciples are filled with the Spirit and they speak the word of God boldly in the face of persecution. Acts 9.20, Paul is filled with the Spirit and immediately begins to preach in the synagogues. Is this you? Are you sharing Jesus with others during this time? Now some of you might say, well, pastor, pastor, I don't have what it takes. Yes, you do because you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has already been given to you. That he, The Holy Spirit's already preparing people's hearts during this time. It's softening people's hearts. It's making them aware of their need for them. And the Spirit is also going to give you the words to speak and the good news to share that God has saved us from our sins. A people who are rebellious and spiteful to the creator of the universe, yet with incredible love, sends his one and only son to die in our place, but on the third day rises again, so that all who believe in him will now have new and eternal life with him. 
the Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we would have a message and so that we would have people ready to receive that message. Will you testify about him? There is no such thing as someone who really believes the gospel, who really loves the gospel, and sits on the sidelines with it, especially during a time of crisis. Not to share would be selfish. You know, for many of us, Christ has been our refuge and strength. Your faith in Christ has benefited you so much during this time. Let me ask you, what about those who are currently experiencing this crisis without Christ? I can't even begin to imagine how I would manage without Christ during this time. For us not to share this incredible resource that we have in Christ would be unloving during this time of crisis. To know Christ, to really know him and to love him is like a starving person who has discovered an endless supply of food that you must go out and tell a hungry world that you have found Jesus. If Jesus is your exalted king, if he is your exalted king, exalt him to others during this time. Be proclaiming people. And let me give you one more here about how we can be a witness. Be a proclaiming people and also be a praying people. Show others how much you are depending on Jesus right now. You know, in verse 4, Jesus tells his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says this, And while staying with them, he ordered them, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. So what's happened is the disciples have spent weeks with the resurrected Jesus, and they are pumped, they're ready to go out to serve and preach and cast out demons. They are ready to get busy in ministry, but Jesus says, wait, wait for the promise of the Spirit. Why does Jesus say this? It's because it's the Holy Spirit who is the real mover. He's the one who is working. The fruitfulness of the early church is not because they were busy doing stuff. The reason the church was fruitful was because they yielded, yielded them, themselves. Can I, can I reset that one again? Um, now, why does Jesus say this? It's because the Holy Spirit is the real mover. He's the one who's working. The fruitfulness of the early church was not because they were busy. It's because they yielded themselves to the Spirit. You know, this part of the COVID-19 crisis has been most challenging for me because I love being busy. I love being useful, and it's been so frustrating because I've been reaching out to hospitals, police stations, fire stations, schools, church members like you, asking anyone if they need help. And they're saying stuff like, no, we're good. Just pray for us. <laughs> That's it. There's got to be more. There's got to be something more that I can do for you. This is a time of crisis, isn't it? We need to get organized. We need to write curriculum. We need, we need to do, uh, you know, virtual conference. We need to do more videos. It's in this rush and unhealthy need to be busy. Jesus says to us, wait on him. Why? 
It's because he is king. Did you know that Jesus will never be stronger than he is today because he's already omnipotent and infinitely powerful? Did you realize that Jesus will never ever need to learn anything? He's already all-knowing and has infinite wisdom. Did you realize that Jesus will never ever have greater dominion than what he has right now because he already rules over all? He is king. So when Jesus calls his disciples to wait, when he calls us to wait, is so that we would depend on his power to do his work. And one of the most powerful ways to be a witness of his dependence is through prayer. Because when everyone else is trying to gain control or they're totally out of control, we are turning to the one who is in control. When you pray and trust your king, he will carry your burdens, he will take your anxieties, for his yoke is light. The world is hungering for this. They long for someone who is strong enough to provide and care for them. So when we pray, that is a powerful witness to a watching world about who you really believe has the power to make a difference. In addition to this, it's also important, important to be mindful of what we are praying for. Some of us right now, we are praying a ton, a ton, a lot but it's mostly for myself. If your prayers are always about you and what you need and what you want, you wouldn't be much of a witness because the world is doing the exact same thing. Let me ask you, if God was to answer all your prayers in these last five weeks during the COVID-19 crisis, who would be the most blessed? Would it be you? If you're trusting Jesus, your king, to carry your burdens during this time, it means that he has freed you up to help carry the burdens of others. If you want to be a witness during this crisis, be prayerful people who depend on God, who lift up the needs of others, who pleads on behalf of others for their salvation, for their healing, and to let these people know that you are praying for them so that they would know that when prayers are answered, it is God who did it. During this time of crisis, God doesn't want you to need less of him. He wants you to hunger for more of him. You know, in Acts chapter 7, we see the story of Stephen. You know, Stephen was a servant of God and a courageous preacher. One time he was preaching and the crowd got all stirred up, so much so that they executed him by stoning. Now, what's incredible in this story is that in the final moments of Stephen's life, he dies peacefully. He dies without flipping out. He dies asking God to forgive his accusers. He dies gracefully giving his spirit to God. How could he do this? It's because he saw his exalted king present with him during the crisis. Acts chapter 7, verses 55 to 56 says this. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. So Stephen here, filled with the Holy Spirit, is looking up into heaven, seeing the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. 
Stephen, as he is being stoned, sees an ascended Jesus who is not sitting on his throne, but standing. And this gave him courage and comfort to persevere because to stand from your chair back then and even today was a symbol of welcome and embrace. It almost seemed like as Stephen was getting stoned, as he was going through his hardships, Jesus was standing there welcoming him home, letting him know that he was present with him in his suffering, letting him know that he sees what is going on. That this is why when the mob was making all these false claims about Stephen, condemning him, mocking him, hurting him, Stephen could endure through all of it because he knew that his King Jesus was still at work loving him. Jesus is not in heaven right now, ignorant to all that is going on on earth. He is with us in our fear and pain now, and he welcomes all of us to lean on him. The Savior who bore the responsibility of our sins on the cross and put that burden on his back, our Savior has not changed. He continues to carry it for us. The same love that saved us will also carry us through this difficulty. We can and must depend on him because our strength will fail at times. That this quarantine has strained relationships and marriages. We have lost our patience. We don't want to be generous and kind. We don't care about being a Christ-like witness. But even when our faith is wavering, his love is constant and unchanging. Our exalted king wants us to depend on him, and he wants the world to come to him because he is strong enough to carry it all. During this time of COVID-19, we don't have to lean on ourselves. The world and the flesh naturally does this on its own, but it's a supernatural thing when we lean on Jesus Christ. You know, let me close with this. Jesus says in Luke chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says here that going away is a good thing. It's good that I'm going away because Jesus knows that as long as he stays physically here on earth, he would be limited to one place at one time to only a group of people at this time. But with the Holy Spirit, he would be with us everywhere and anywhere all the time. That when you wake up, you have Jesus. When you're trying to deal with your kids, you have Jesus. When you go to work, you have Jesus. When you're on that Zoom call, you have Jesus. When you're in quarantine, you have Jesus. When you study that Bible on your, on your own, you have Jesus. When you're doing something scary for Jesus, you have Jesus. When you are suffering through loneliness, you have Jesus. When you have lost a loved one, you have Jesus. When you're in the deepest and darkest of places, you have Jesus. When Jesus ascends, he doesn't promise less of himself, but through the Holy Spirit, we have more of him so that we would lean on him for our strength and endure for the glory of God and to show a watching world that Jesus is still king. Let me ask you, how are you going to steward this crisis? At the end of the day, all of us are going to be a witness. The question is, what kind of witness will you choose to be? 
What is your life and words going to say about what you believe about Jesus during the time of COVID-19? Do you believe that he is, is your exalted king? If so, then exalt him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you that during this time of crisis, we are not left alone. But that, Father, that you give us your Holy Spirit. You give us your very presence and love. And, Father, we pray and ask, the God, that you would help us to be able to share that with others. That, Father, that we do not want to squander this time. That a lot of people have been using the word unprecedented. But, Father, I do not believe that that word should just be used because of the challenges that we're facing and the uniqueness of those challenges. But, Father, we believe that that word unprecedented should also be used for the incredible opportunity that the church has to bring about a gospel movement during this time. So, Father, I pray for all of us in our homes right now. That, God, that your spirit would stir in our hearts, that your spirit would shake us up, and that, Father, through whatever creative ways that you can help us think of, to be able to make you known with the people in our lives and around us. Father, again, thank you, Lord, that we are not doing work for you, but that, Father, we are joining you in the work that you're already doing. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you head off now, receive this blessing. Now to him who could do more than we can ever ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations. And all God's people said, Amen. Your love. Have a great week.